if you have um, a Bible with you, would you turn uh, to uh, Jeremiah in, in the Old Testament, uh, chapter 17? Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. If, you're, uh, if you find one of those books, you, you know you're close. Jeremiah and chapter 17. We're going to read from verse number 1. God says, The sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron, with a point of diamond it is engraved on the tablet of their heart and on the horns of their altars, while their children remember their altars and their asherim beside every green tree and on the high hills, on the mountains, in the open country. Your wealth and all your treasures I will give for spoil as the price of your high places for sin throughout all your territory. You shall loosen your hand from your heritage that I gave to you, and I will make you serve your enemies in a land that you do not know. For in my anger a fire is kindled that shall burn forever. Verse 5. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness, in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green, and it is not anxious in the year of drought. For it does not cease to bear fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind. To give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Like the partridge that gathers a brood that she did not hatch. So is he who gets riches but not by justice. In the midst of his days they will leave him and at the end he will be a fool. A glorious throne set on high from the beginning is the place for our sanctuary. O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake you shall be put to shame. Those who turn away from you shall be written in the earth, for they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living water. And we'll end our reading at verse number 13. I wonder where you turn to when things go wrong. What happens to you when things don't go the way you expected them to? Uh, Georgia has been on a bit of a bad run. Uh, Her car won't start for the third time this week. Uh, She's into her overdraft again and faces another bank charge that she could do without. And now she's been invited before the boss for a chat. In her own mind, Georgia has gotten used to this sort of thing. She just isn't as fortunate as some people. She just doesn't have much luck. The universe just seems to be against her. Philip is less thoughtful about the whole thing. When things don't go his way, he is short on fuse wire. When his children are difficult, he lashes out, he punches the wall. When someone annoys him on the road, he slams his hand hard on the steering wheel. 
when he was diagnosed with diabetes recently, he lost it with the doctors and had to be restrained. Wasn't his life hard enough without insulin injections and the like? John has a different response. When his wife left him for another man, he didn't lash out or decide he was one of the unlucky ones. No, he was calm because John, well, he has his own way to take the edge off stuff like that. When he gets a big hit in life, he, he zones out, he, he hits the bottle. He doesn't choose to fight, he chooses to flight. We live in a, in a fallen world. We talked about this this morning. It's the trouble in that verse in Nahum, isn't it? The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. And in a fallen world, fallen things happen. People get hurt. People get beaten up. People get bad news. People die. Things break. Things deteriorate. New becomes old. Youth and beauty, well, they pass away so quickly. And using the passage that we read tonight, there's a a summary word for all the things that could, and at any point in time somewhere for somebody, are going wrong. We could summarize it with one word, and it's this, heat. Heat. Heat is life in a fallen world. The passage that I read, particularly from verse 5, it's a poem. It's a poem that has, that has lots of similarities with, if you're familiar with your Bible, and I trust you are, with, with passages in, in, in Proverbs, uh, in, in Job, in, in Ecclesiastes. And it certainly has lots of similarities with, with Psalm number 1, if you know it. And the question that hangs over this poem from verse 5 to 13 or thereabouts is this. When the heat is on... What do you do? How do you react? When the grizzly bear of life bears its teeth, where do you turn? Where do you turn to? What do you do? Where do you place your confidence then? We live under the curse. It's a sin curse. It started in the garden in Genesis 3 and it's been roaring ever since. But but how do you live with it? How do you carry on with life? In such circumstances. Verse 5 and verse 6 speak to us about the cursed man. Verse 5 teaches us that, that, that the Lord teaches us that the cursed man is one who trusts in man. We read. He trusts in man. Cursed, uh, God says, is the man who places his confidence in human beings. Maybe himself, maybe others. To, to deal with the heat of the world. Cursed is the ones, one who thinks he or she can, can sort himself or herself out. Cursed is the one who thinks the answer is within himself or herself, for that matter. That, 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 that if we can just sort of ride the luck train, it'll turn around. Things may come good. Or if we employ... Some sort of mindfulness that will, that will bring us peace and, and deal with the anger. Or that we can use other things and resources that are available to, to numb the pain, to make us feel okay. But God says that cursed is that one. 
For he, the Lord, the creator, knows and says that there is no way to self-think, to self-medicate, to self-express your way out of the heat. Cursed is the one who makes the flesh his strength, is the second clause. Literally, cursed is the one who makes the flesh his arm, his, his strength, his, his defense, his, his go-to. I wonder what your go-to is when the heat is on in your life. Anger, resignation to fate, something to help you escape. To turn away from God, to seek help in ourselves, is to be cursed. For it's to turn to sin. For we were never meant to be independent from God. God did not create us to sort of leave him alone and get on with things. We were meant to be dependent. We were meant to lean on him. We were meant to worship and gaze on him. And the other issue is that these things are never just outside of us. They, they, they go deeper. The heat in this passage that we talked about is, is the desert heat. Remember, remember where Jeremiah lives. Jeremiah lives in Judah, uh, in the south of Israel. It's a, he lives in the Middle East. It's a, it's a, it's a really hot climate. So you, you don't sunbathe there. No, you, you stay in the shade or you toast. Isn't that right? The hot desert is the source of the heat in this, in this poem. And when the disaster comes, well, there's, there's drought, isn't there? There's a question of drought. Will there be any harvest? Remember when Jeremiah lives. He lives at the time when, when Israel has already been exiled to Assyria. The northern tribes have already been exiled to, to Assyria for breaking God's covenant. And, and, and Judah, well, they're going the same way and they're going there fast in the south. Jeremiah lives in a time when he, as the messenger of God, well, he's got to bring a very unpopular message. It's a message of judgment. It's a message that's a warning. No one really wants to hear it. God has been faithful, but they are not. And they're close to disaster. A warning is here that God is going to judge those of his own people who, who, reject, who are rejecting him for the way of those around them. Who have dispensed with their heritage for those high places that we read about at the start. Who have rejected the true and living God for the religion of men and altars and asherim and all sorts of idols. Jeremiah is using plant imagery, isn't he? And he warns the people who will listen that such a curse, cursed one who looks to himself or to his fellow man for the answers is like a shrub in the desert for success. He's like a bush in the wastelands, says another translation. Like a, like a bush filled with thorns. No green on them. No fruit on them. Just a bush in the desert. No good for food, only fit to prick your finger or your foot. Sharp and dry from the heat. A stunted shrub that shriveled in the scorching heat. That's enough S's, isn't it? Can hardly manage anymore. Battered and ruined by sin in themselves and in the world around them. That's the cursed man. Reacting badly, prickly, you know, when something doesn't go their way. 
reaching for solutions that are, well, they seem like a good idea, but they're a short-term fix, and you know what? They, they, they end up destructive, and things end up worse. The problem only gets worse. He's cursed, it says, because and shall not see any good come, in verse 6. Nothing from the good God of this morning will be his forever. Some good now. Yeah, we all experience some good now. Every single one on planet Earth experienced some good, some, some common grace. But plenty of pointers to his goodness are there in the, in the created world around us. But, but nothing of eternal value is for this man or this woman. Nothing. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness. It says. Like your grass during those two weeks when it didn't rain. Parched, thirsty, brown, dying, easily blown in the wind, trampled on, and it's just, it's just soil then. You know the stuff? No resources to depend on when, when more heat comes, when the money runs out, when the crash comes, when you realize that you aren't here forever. Psalm 1, of course, talks this way too. It says, the wicked are not so, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Just chaff. End of verse 6. These shrubs, these prickly bushes dwell in an uninhabited salt land. This person is not surrounded by like-minded people. This person is lonely. This person is alone. The end result of sin is, is loneliness. You, you know that? Maybe in a prison cell. Maybe because you, you, you cheated on your partner and wrecked your family and nobody wants to know you. Maybe because you, you, your selfishness has, has wrecked all your relationships and you're just not a nice person to be with. In C.S. Lewis's book, The Great Divorce, he paints this vision of, of hell. And in it, People bicker and fight uh, together so much that they can't live near each other. And so they're all spread across uh, the, the land and they take up hundreds and hundreds of square miles just for a few people because they, they can't really be with each other. Because they can't stand one another. Hell is a lonely place. Even if it's well populated. That's, that's one way to live in a broken world. It's one way to live that's a lonely disaster, God's word teaches us. But what about the blessed man? What about him? What about her? That this way to live sits in contrast. Another way to live. That, yes, this person lives on the same planet. Don't get this wrong here, okay? This is not easy street versus hard street. This is the same street. Uh, they live in the same place. They, they occupy the same towns. He or she still faces the heat. Look at verse 8. The heat still comes, but he or she is not blown away, but, a, but are perched strong and rooted deep. Indeed, he or she is blessed, we are told. Blessed. Blessed is not a sort of personal statement word. It requires two persons. It requires someone to be blessed and someone to do the blessing. And I wonder, I wonder do, you, do you ever remind yourself that you are blessed? That's a good thought, isn't it? 
Let's, let's reflect on that for a moment. We're blessed. I'm blessed. I'm wonderfully blessed. I've been in receipt of, of, of wonderful things in Christ. I'm blessed. You wake up in the morning, I want you to, if you can remember, say to yourself, I'm blessed. Because you are. If you know Christ. Blessed by God. He's the other person. In this passage, the one who is described as blessed is not kept from the heat. He or she is not removed from such things. That's clear for the heat's still on. Rather, rather they are given the resources to survive. How come? How come? Well, the answer, the short answer is the river and the roots. He's like a tree planted by water. We read, read in verse 8. The stream is right beside him. The source of life is near him. Uh, the Lord described in verse 13 as the fountain of living waters is right next to her. I came back um, from two weeks on the north coast and found my garden to be a mixture of brown and yellow. My lawn, there was hardly any green on it. But the box tree at the front of the house, well, it was green. It was as lush as it's ever been. And it was just as well for my mother-in-law would have killed us if we'd managed to kill another one from neglect. How come? How come? Well, the answer is we texted our kind neighbor and he, every, every so often, cast the hose over the fence and watered it. Along with some of the other plants. It's the stream of water that makes the difference. Uninhabited salt land is to be contrasted here with tree planted by fresh living water. That's what makes it green and not brown. God himself is beside them, the blessed man, the blessed woman. This person trusts in the Lord, we read at the end of verse 7. He or she places their confidence not in man, not in themselves, not in a a creation of God, but in the creator who is God. This is the one who knows the Lord. This is the one who has a relationship with the Lord. And, And for the truster of God, when he comes, well, that leads you back to God. That's what it does. It leads you to depend on God. It leads you to to the one who's sovereign, the one who's able to to, to make good the situation, be that from its removal or be that from its remaining. I mean, both are possible. And not only is this person one who trusts in the Lord, this person is also one whose trust is the Lord. You see that in verse 7? That's slightly different, isn't it? Trust in the Lord whose trust is the Lord. What's, what's the difference? Have a think about that for a minute. What's the difference? One is uh, to trust in him. The other is to make him your trust. What's, what's the difference? Well, having reflected on this, God is, is even more central in the second one, isn't he? That's the, that's the way I, I would look at this. The Christian Standard Bible uh, translates it like this. The person whose confidence indeed is the Lord is blessed. 
That, that, means, that means you want God. Your confidence is the Lord. Whose trust is the Lord. You, you want God. More than just someone who's going to turn the thermostat down. That's, that's the idea. You want that relationship with him more than just someone who can sort the stuff out that's going on. That's the blessed woman. That's the blessed man whose trust is the Lord. And they are represented in Jeremiah's plant imagery in this poem by a, by a fruit-bearing tree, a green tree. It's got roots. It's, it's a big tree. It's big enough to have deep roots. It's strong. It's not flimsy. The wind's not going to blow it over. A fruit tree beside the living water. This is the godly person who trusts in the Lord. In each um, of the three people I talked about at the beginning, the three imaginary people, well, there, there's a habit that, that they kept returning to, wasn't there? Georgia, she kept returning to her belief that she, she was a, a victim of, of bad luck again. The odds were never in her favor. Philip, well, he, he, he showed his frustration again and, and, and lashed out again. Because that's, 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 that's his habit. And, and, and John, well, he decided to use alcohol as a way out, as a coping mechanism again. But, you see, the trusting man, well, they are at the same time, sorry, the, the, they, are, they are trusting in man, these people, but, but they are at the same time, we're told, turning away from the Lord. But the blessed man, the blessed woman, they, they turn towards the Lord. That, that, that is actually their habit. That is their habit. They find things hard too. Uh, they, they know it's not nothing, that what they're going through. It's difficult sometimes. It's a real problem. But they turn to God. They, they, they pray to God. They ask for help. They, they lean on the Lord for they know that's where strength is to be found. And when it comes, comes back around again, their, their habit is to, to turn again to the Lord. Because that's the one who trusts and the one who, whose trust is the Lord. They, they pray and they say, Lord, help me. Maybe one of those arrow prayers, you know, when you're just in that moment. And, you, and then later they, they set aside time and they pray more, more fully and more thoughtfully. And in this situation, even though there's heat... There's fruit. Do you notice that? There's still fruit. The leaves remain green. It doesn't cease to bear fruit. How can that be? There's, there's gospel growth in this person. There, there's deepening in their relationship, there, in their dependence on the Lord. There, there, there's, there's, there's a story to tell others to encourage them. There's fruit. Fruit in the Bible and the Christian is, is growth and deepening love for God and, 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 and testifying, telling others about what, what's happened and, and blessing them with what God has done. And that's, that's fruit. And in the heat, the blessed man produces fruit. Not just when it's easy, but when it's hard. Particularly when it's hard. Beside the stream, you see, 
He or she has the resources to not be anxious, we read, in the year of drought. For, for God is at work and, and he provides and his people still have green leaves and still bear fruit even though it's hot and it's, it's the year of drought. How can this be? Because... Because near God, they have access to the resources of God. Because of the living water at the stream. And, and because of their roots, which are connected deep. Let's consider finally the God-man. The trouble with people in Jeremiah's day was that they had a deep problem. It was not just behavioral. It was not just that they'd sort of done a few bad things regarding idol worship and behaving like the other nations around them. No, it was deeper. Verse 9 is clear. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? That's the context for this verse that I I used to learn at Sunday school. It's a very well-known verse. That's the context for it. What's going on in Jeremiah's day? Look at at their hearts in verse 5. Whose heart turns away from the Lord. One of the problems of self-help, of fixing things with the best efforts of humanity or, or, or uh, some of those other things that we discussed, is, that, is the very idea, the very assumption that all the problems are, are on the outside. I was treated badly as a child, therefore I'm like this. I was not given encouragement in school to work, therefore I'm like this. Uh, my genes aren't that good because look at my parents and all, all this sort of stuff. And we treat the symptoms When the problem is inside, when the problem is deeper. God's chosen people of Israel were given all the privilege of his law and prophets. They were given this, uh, but yet they were just the same deep down. So they broke the rules, they broke the law, they broke the covenant. And so in this very book of Jeremiah, we have this promise in chapter 31 that God's going to enter into a new covenant with his people. Because they broke the old one. And this is what we read. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. You see, this time the law is not written on those tablets of stone like up Mount Sinai when Moses received them. No, this time the law is written on the hearts of God's people. And that's where Christ comes in. Because he's the blessed man. And he's also the God man. He's the one who fully trusts in in the Lord. The one who who is the true green plant of the story. The one who makes a way for sin cursed people to become blessed people. The one who if we're connected to in our roots. If we're trusting in we find salvation. And we find a newly resourced way to live in this world. Christ says in John 15. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, 
He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If in Christ we find ourselves through the gospel, then we're connected to God. We're connected to that resource. We're we're planted by the, the living water. And that means that means when the when the drought comes, when the heat is on, as it were, that we have we've water. We've resources. We've help. We've one that stands with us through thick and thin. We don't have to lash out. We don't have to look for a substance to depend on. We don't have to blame our rotten luck. What we can do is lean and look to him. In Christ we are resource for whatever comes in the heat. And in Christ we can even bear fruit through it. It's not just survival, is it? It's bearing fruit through it. Because he's the living water for thirsty men and women. And in Christ we're transformed into the people God is calling us to be. He's the blessed man that makes us blessed. He's the God man that does what we cannot do. And in him we are, we are truly blessed. Let's bow our heads in prayer as Matthew joins me at the front.